Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back. Very, very special episode today. We are sitting on the eve of the 2020 season. Been waiting all summer for it. And I thought of no better person to bring in and just discuss all things 2020 than Dave DeFore. David, how are you? I'm I'm good. Uh, are we just going to do the thing where we that we just talked about was kind of lame, where you act like you didn't talk for 15 minutes before the show? This is a way too meta. Because yeah. you just asked me that right before I hit record. Literally, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, I'm I'm ready for the season to start. Um, I managed to make it through the preseason this year, and I only saw Twitter clips and preseason games in person. So I'm very ready. So you're saying you didn't like study preseason film? <clears throat> you weren't you weren't breaking it down no. the next morning? That's not a normal thing to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know people do it. Um, Pe- people? Just... <laughs> the guy you're talking to. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying not to directly attack you, but I know people do it. How, how I do I sound? It's a I, normal thing to am do. Am I extremely nasally still? How do I sound? A little bit nasally. Not so bad. Not it's, so bad. It's not as bad as last week. How much heat did you catch for the Nate Silver pod? Not too much. Okay. I mean, okay. There, there's, like a, there's like a little bit of heat, you know. Yeah. He's... he's controversial Controversial. yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean i thought the pod was great in that we had a good conversation about Mm -hmm. not only raptor but about some of the things around raptor because it's not just him it's it's guys like neil payne and other researchers over absolutely 538 who for like months they've been churning through different research and iterating on the and it's and it's and it's nice sometimes to be able to pull the curtain back i thought he was a really good sport about pulling the curtain back on things that were challenges or like, hey, maybe this is maybe this is a wart or maybe this will improve in the future or we started here and we went in the wrong direction, stuff like that. So I, I enjoyed it, but, you know, I think anytime you have like a certain number of followers in life, aren't you just automatically controversial? Um, yeah, because, you know, we, we're an interesting species in that way that we all, don't all universally agree on things. Um for him, though, it's you know it's very much about the politics stuff and, and the fact that everyone just views him as being so wrong about his opinion on things, like or at least uh, his projections on things. Even though the way he catches everything, he's not. I don't know. He's not really. Pre- I mean, he's sort of predicting, but he's really just trying to read the tea leaves. Like it's hard. It's like if, if I tell you today, oh, I think the Clippers are going to win the title. I have no effect on that outcome. Yeah, it's I don't a, know. That's making also, my best. Yeah, and 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 given the state of this season, I mean, that's also a low probability prediction. Agreed. You know, they could be. You could you could have them as the favorite. And what are we still talking about? Like a one in five bet here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the field, right? I mean, I, the field is the safe bet. Yeah, you want to take the field this year if yeah. you can, if you can get odds on the field if you can get odds on twenty nine teams and not one 
I, I, I think you want to take that bet. Um, how crazy do you think? I see this season to me, I think is going to be a bit of a paradigm shift for people to get used to. Because Agreed. I, I don't, not just in terms of the landscape and super teams and things like that, but my big, if I had a big, right, right out of the gate sort of prediction for what I see in 2020, it's parody. And, yeah. and the, and the result of that makes wins harder to come by. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of compresses the league together. And I don't think the modern fan is used to what that means. Like a, like a 52 win team this year. It's going to be like a, a one seed. It could be, yeah, and it's going to yeah. look more like a sixty-win team in the past, right? Uh, I think my projection has like the one seed in the West at like fifty-three. Oh, sweet! Something. That's even lower than me. I have yeah. it. I have it at fifty-five, and I didn't feel great about it. Yeah. I don't feel. I'm going to rerun it today because I, I'm. I, I need to make some adjustments. I want to adjust for the Clay Thompson news because I think that's going to um, actually alter how Golden State plays if they're if they happen to struggle a little bit. So. Um, Golden yeah. State is a fascinating team. The, the entire league is fascinating, and and to your point about parity and, and for fans not being used to this kind of thing, I actually don't think people are going to like it. It's going to be. This is what I mean. It's going to be a shift. It's going to be a huge shift. So there's a stat that I've been sitting on for about two years now because I've noticed this trend. We've been moving in this direction, and that is the most the excuse me the fewest wins by the overall one seed in the tournament and since 1980 that belongs to the 2004 Timberwolves they won 58 games that year no other team in the league won more than 58 games I think that's the only time we haven't had a 60 win team and I don't think we're gonna have a 60 win team this year oh see now I think we may have a 60 team uh 60 win team in the east which team do you think that is the Sixers oh Dave, this is just splendid. Tell me more. You disagree? I, well, I just okay. Think so they're they're gigantic and kind of built for the regular season, at least. Um, oh. I still think you know they're going to have shot creation issues in the playoffs, like like they did last year. But um, yeah, I think that's a regular season monster. It's interesting. I think I have the 76ers flipped. I think okay. Let's just start with the Whoa. seventy. Let's okay. start with let's yeah, start let's with start the 76ers. I, I guess if I had a hot take, oh, it, it would be. If I had to place a bet on a single team that I think is most likely to win the NBA championship right now, mm-hmm. I'd place it on the Sixers. So, so would I. I agree. And there's two big reasons. One is their, their I guess three. One is their path is going to be easier. Mm-hmm. So just the probabilities are hugely in their favor when they get to the finals. Uh, two, they ma- I think they match up really well with the other elite teams in the league, given their size and their defensive suffocation. And, and versatility. Yeah. And three, and this is kind of maybe what I want to get your thoughts on, they could have an all-time defense. Like, yeah. what, what is their floor as a defense? Like, just their floor. Is it is it being three points better than the league, four points better than the league? I mean, that right there is yeah. like a 50-something win team if you have an average offense. I think three or four points better than the rest of the league. It's just their floor. It's a good start. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be just monsters. Um, you know, Josh Richardson has kind of <laughs> been overlooked in this whole thing, and uh, having that guy guarding point guards is going to be a nightmare. Well, I think they. I think if they have a weakness besides the injury bug, and, of course, Embiid gives them uh, reinforcements, they're gonna st- it seems like they're going to stagger that lineup heavily. 
Mm-hmm. And when Embiid was off the court last year and and, uh, and Horford now will come in, um, they were just terrible defensively with Embiid off the court. I think, yeah. that A, that's going to change. And then I think their high-end lineups where they have everyone out there together and it's just a, a sea of, like, seven-footers. Yeah, it's basically. all arms. It's all, it's all arms. It's yeah. like fighting an octopus. Yeah. yeah. I think if there's a vulnerability that you could possibly identify, it's, like, perimeter quickness. I don't know if they have guys yeah. that can chase – shooters around screens and things mm-hmm. and, and some kind of construction like but that. i think they'll just switch all that yeah but that's about it mm-hmm. and 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 i wonder if you get into a playoff series does that does that sort of become uh alleviated a little bit because you can scheme it in a way where you switch it right or yeah yeah, yeah. for sure so i i think not only can they switch it but they also have elite rim protection so if you if you think back to the the year uh what was it was it two years ago when houston was switching everything and then uh, Golden State, yeah, it was the seven-game series. And Golden State just started destroying them with cuts. The issue was that Clint Capella wasn't doing a good job of protecting the basket. And now, I mean, when when you're the 76ers and you have Embiid back there, who you know is one of the best rim protectors in the league, and you've got Al Horford floating around, and by the way, Ben Simmons is pretty good and long and great in that free safety role when he's playing passing lanes. I don't I don't know how you're going to score against it. I mean, it's going to be like Giannis is going to have to be superhuman in order to do anything. So this is so I mean, I hope we'll get there, but it's one of those weird things where they are primed to just completely asphyxiate Giannis in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. then you're and then you're going to have people say, "Oh, Giannis doesn't have he's a choker. He doesn't have this next level or whatever." It's like, "No, they're going to have Al Horford who is, you know, well equipped to take on Giannis himself, plus Embiid, mm-hmm. plus everyone else. We haven't even mentioned Matisse yet. Oh, I know. Oh my goodness. He he really is uh, the X factor for them defensively. He's and a savant. They, yeah, and they are going to be able to roll out these lineups. You know, when they put him in for Tobias Harris, essentially, uh, I, there is not a weak defender on the floor i mean like ben simmons could be the weakest defender in that five-man lineup that's richardson uh matisse horford Embiid, and simmons and that's wild to think about that's such a great free safety that lineup would be crazy so so but i always root for those like i I wanted iguodala i want iguodala to wind up in denver because i want the the nerdy defensive lineup that they can roll out with him Millsap, and grant and and you know like i i love Stuff like that. Like, I, I love that Raptors lineup that they were running out last year where it was like Danny Green, Kawhi, Siakam, Ibaka, and uh, and Gasol. And they didn't phenomenal. play a lot. But, oh, my God, man. Like, you know, this is where you go back to the nerdy coaching stuff. Like, okay, what do you want to see happen? Everyone always leans toward, well, let me put five shooters out on the court. Please, do me a favor. Put five ridiculous defenders out there. Just once, I just want to see it. Dave, was so, it, were we supposed to introduce you so people no, know about know your coaching, your coaching background? And well, I, I mean, I don't know. They know who I am. How many podcasts are you doing right now? Seven. Uh, you just started a new one, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm for the athletic. I'm, I'm hosting. So you know, doing my normal daily ding, doing back to back. So Nerder she wrote and uh, buds basketball buds. But uh, I'm, I'm also hosting the Portland Trailblazers podcast. And I am co-hosting the Indiana Pacers podcast. So it's kind of nice because I can dig in a little deeper on these teams in particular, um, which is fun for, you know, again, uh, a, a real basketball nerd that, that uh, 
likes the action on the court. So so the Blazers are kind of one of my other crazy it's almost like an instinct thing. It it is not it is not rooted deeply in analytics. It's yeah. it's just like when I watch them, I'm convinced they're going to be a very good offense. Yeah. I think offense is not the question mark. The defense clearly is. Sure, but um, but, but but they have a track record, I think, between mm-hmm. Stotts and you can speak to this as a coach, you know, one of the things that has been you know, shown historically in data is that coaches can lean into something. It's it's Absolutely. defense. It's I want to have a system and I want to make sure there are guys on the court that are filling this system. And to me, they have enough to get there. Mm-hmm. They can to, have a top five offense, top five sure. offense and a passable defense. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I see Port- I, I have Portland like around 50 wins. That's interesting. Isn't that crazy? So the continuity stuff is big. And I'm assuming it is for me. Uh, I'm assuming it is for you. Like, this is why I'm really high on the Nuggets. Um, I'm really high on the Jazz. Even though they're adding Conley, I think Conley is a guy that, you know, he can just slide in and be immediately good with any team. And especially because they need his skill set so much. Um, but, yeah, I, I – I had him. I think I have him at like forty-eight wins. Okay, so we're not off so right. Much. Yeah, and that's right in the same. Yeah. So, so who do you have winning the West? Right, not, not winning the West. I want to save that but for later. Who do you have seed. with the one seed? Yeah, the Nuggets. Okay, I have the yeah. Nuggets at three. Essentially, think around like fifty-three wins, right in that race. Yeah, I have them at fifty-four. Okay, wait, so, is that right? Fifty-four or fifty-three? I have to run it again, but I think it's like fifty-four. But but this is what's so interesting is is forecasting with this level of specificity is basically impossible. Yeah. But when you look, like, that's the big takeaway to me, that the one seed could be the four seed, mm-hmm. you know, the three seed could be the one seed. So we're pretty similar on Denver. The, the Spurs could be the three seed, by the way. Ooh, okay, tell me about that, because I don't think the Spurs have that gear to get into the... into the. I think you're going to need to be in the 50s to get the three seed. I think they're going to have... a. I think their defense is going to be, like, seven, top seven, top eight. Hmm. And I think their offense is going to be top 10 again. They just have this thing figured out. DeMar DeRozan has that funky mid-range gravity that, you know, uh, I've talked about a little bit. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, he last year was 15th in PRF, which has gone unnoticed that he was like a top 20 uh, PRF guy. PRF. Points responsible for. Oh, so points scored responsible. and points assisted. 41% of his points came on assists, or the, his PRF came on assists, which is the highest of his career by a lot. Um, this is something he's been improving on season over season. Uh, 21, six and six. If we want to just go raw, like old school box score stats, he was like one of four guys in the league. I mean, he had a pretty good season. Yeah. But people pay too much attention to the on off with him. I agree with that, but I I'm interested more in the defense. Tell me, tell me how you get them. Cause that's actually, well, that's a bit of a question mark for Derek White. Yeah. They're all, they're all guards. Their defense tanked last year. Because they didn't have that point of attack defender. And this is something that, you know, we, we, we all leaned rim protector, uh, like post-2009. It was all about, you know, the Roy Hibbert-style guy that was going to protect the rim. We completely forgot about point of attack defense and how important, important it is. You let those point guards get going downhill, coming off the pick and roll, things like that. And, and the defense is at an, a disadvantage. So they were missing. They, I mean, they had Bryn Forbes guarding lead ball handlers and that's just not going to work neither is demar Derozan. now they've they've got healthy dejounte murray healthy Derek white um i I do think that that defense is going to be much improved just because of those two guys what about the other what about the front court pieces that was my 
That was my question for them defensively. You know, you have Popovich, mm-hmm. but cr- I mean, it's one thing to be a competent defense. It's another mm-hmm. thing to really differentiate Agreed. and get wins on defense. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a question of the the front court pieces. I mean, are you a big Jakob Pertl guy? I think Pertl is really good. Okay. Uh, Pertl had a pretty good season last year. Uh, the issue is Pertl and Aldridge together was a funky fit last year. But they're going with it this year. I, I, I believe that Pirtle is going to be starting next to Aldridge, or at least he, you know, he was in the preseason. Um, they're going to go with it. And, and if you look around, though, the league got bigger. It didn't go smaller. So I think that's going to play right into their strategy. I mean, you know, they want to drop back on pick and roll. Um, they, you know, they want to play post up on offense quite a bit. You know, getting that mid post, get get Aldridge going there. So I think the league going bigger allows them to do that stuff more because they can't get you know, taken advantage of by a mismatch on the other end. I mean, Aldridge is going to be guarding, you know, bigs. Right. Okay, let's talk more about that. I wanted I wanted your thoughts on this sort of apparent trend toward bigger, you know, two big lineups or bigger yeah. teams. Is you, tell tell me more about that. Are you buying it? Are you let's like cause I go back to Portland, mm-hmm. and it seems like they're going to roll out two bigs to start the season. Yeah, Philadelphia. I'll, I mean, Everyone is. Everyone is, but there's there's still a point to be made that I think, as as a historian, I've been harping on forever, which is you don't you still don't necessarily want redundancy of skill. You still want diversity of skill. So the thing that makes me think Philadelphia can work is that Horford can shoot and pass, but he doesn't shoot. Well, no, but he he will stretch the floor. Right. Whether whether he's so, prolific or not is separate from the idea that he doesn't he doesn't occupy or play the exact same way sure. the other big does. Yeah. And Aldridge has been stretching the floor a little bit more in the preseason. Now he didn't at all hardly at all last year. So um, you think he's going to move he's going to get it behind the line finally? Absolutely. Yeah, so you know it's this is actually funny like now I'm going to say this thing I saw in the preseason. They were using him quite a bit more as a trail guy. And he was getting trail threes, uh, just like Boris Diaw, like 2013. And teams are going to have to now honor that. They're going to have to step out. And they're, you know, that's going to open things up for everybody. So, um, you know, there are ways around it. I, you, you brought up Portland. I think Zach Collins is going to be shooting threes quite a bit. He's going to shoot threes. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up around four or five a game. It's going to be how he has to play. Uh, it's one of my issues with Indiana is that, you know, if, if Miles Turner isn't going to take five or six a game, you need Sabonis to take, you know, at least two a game. But he, I think last year he only took 17 threes total. So going big, I mean, yes, these are like more traditional bigs. But if you're stretching the floor on the offensive end, like you said, you don't want redundancy of skill unless it's shooting. I think that most of these teams added a, you know, if they're going bigger, they've got a guy who can shoot. So what do you think of the Houston experiment? We haven't touched on them yet. Are they in your, are they in your top four in the they West? They are. Okay. They are. And it's a team that, that is going to rack up wins in the regular season, but I just don't buy them in the, in the playoffs. Interesting. So you have Denver first in the West. Mm-hmm. Give, me your, give me your next three. I have Utah, Houston, uh, Clippers, Lakers, interchangeable. I, I, I'm making assumptions with them on load management. Man, it's, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Both those teams. I'm just, I'm just taking guesses, you know. Um, and then I've got Portland, uh, Spurs, Golden, Golden State, Spurs. I okay. think Spurs will wind up being the eighth seed. Um, 
you know, because while I think they could be top 10 in both defense and offense, I'm not convinced. And by the way, I'm, I'm now lower on the Warriors. So when I run this later on today, they might be the eight seed and, or might be out of the playoffs. This is, this is no fun. I have the same eight playoff teams. Yeah. But to me, those are like the eight playoff teams. Whereas, uh, you know, now that Zion's out, who knows, but, but the Pelicans, if, if things went right for them, they could definitely jump into that conversation. Uh, the Kings, you know, we, we are all overlooking them, but De'Aaron Fox might have another gear this year. We don't know. I mean, and so this is actually one of the cool things about this, this season is that while I think fans are ultimately going to hate it, but they've been asking for parody. They don't like that. We know golden state's going to win the title. And before them that the Miami heat, were going to win the title, even though, you know, combined those two teams, both lost four times, um, you know, they don't like knowing ahead of time who's going to the finals. So they say, I think they're going to hate it when they really don't. And you actually have to watch and pay attention and do all this other stuff. Um, but for me, I'm excited about it because I think there are legit 10, possibly 11 teams that could make the playoffs in the West. Agreed. Agreed. And I think when you get to the postseason, so so let me run down. That's where it's more predictable. More predictable. Well, because I'm not, uh, I'm not having to guess about load management. Right, right, right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, so let me run down my order here, and we can we can speak to the playoffs a little bit because I think I think what you're getting at is interesting in terms of the fan reaction to the parody, and I just think when we get to the tournament, it's going to be we haven't had tournaments in a long time in the NBA. Like in the '70s, there was a period in the '70s yeah. where we had extreme parody, and basically anybody could beat anybody, and you'd get like 40. There was a year where you had like 40 something win teams in the finals right. you know teams weren't winning more than 52 games and that's just going to be such a mental adjustment to realize so so on my end i have utah as the top seed okay and i think a lot of that is continuity absolutely well I, and rudy gobert by the way and and just having right because you're, you're you're gonna have a top defense yep yeah, it, guaranteed top five with rudy gobert you're gonna have a top defense home court advantage um they seem like they're a team that should be able to be healthy i just I like them more as a regular season team mm-hmm. and didn't go into this thinking like I'm going to have Utah number one. But when I stacked up the, the wins and things, they came out number one. I have Houston number two. I think Houston's going to just pile up regular season wins, as you mm-hmm. said, mostly because James Harden sort of guarantees you like a like a plus four, wins. like a plus four, plus five regular season offense, no matter yeah. what happens to your yeah. defense. He's just a one man regular season offense. Yeah. In the playoffs, it's a little more nuanced, mm-hmm. um, but that's enough for Houston to get there. I have Denver there. Then I just have like three, the next few teams, I have no idea what order they'll finish in. Lakers, I have Lakers four, Portland five, Clippers six. Yeah. I'm lower on the Clippers regular season for a variety of reasons. Well, Paul George's questionable Paul, shoulders. Paul George's, first of all, he's just going to miss a bunch of games to start the year. Then when he comes back, is he going to be able to shoot the basketball the way he did before? I, I'm someone with two broken shoulders myself. Yeah, I'm a shoulder and, and ankle truther. Right? Like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say you're a, a shoulder pathology expert. No, that's, no, no. That's no, my no. degree. No, I, I'm a shoulder and ankle truther. And, and guys come back from these injuries. Ankles in particular, they come back too early. Um, but, but the shoulder injuries, like especially if you have surgery, your, your shoulders have been altered. Like that is a that is a change in the like structure of your shoulder. 
even if it's just resurfacing uh, resurfacing the joint or something like that, it is going to be different than it was when you went in. And your brain does. In my experience, I don't think my shoulder injury is like junked up my shot, but your brain tries to compensate. Mm-hmm. Your brain does little things. So I'm not entirely convinced. I've always been a huge Paul George guy just because of his defensive impact. Yeah. And the fact that he can play off the basketball on offense. He's an underrated passer now. He's. I, I was huge before he broke out last year on, on Paul George. Well, but, I, I started the Paul George, the you PG did. MVP. You did. Brand, so. But. Not to toot my own horn. But well, that, that would be a first. Uh, <laughs> but he... Uh, <laughs> He's 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 someone who is a different level of potency when he's shooting 33% from downtown versus 41%. Like he is a very skilled shooter and if you take if you knock that down a peg, you lose some of that potency. Then you mm-hmm. add in load management. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many games you're going to get from these guys. And so you start doing math and you're like, well if they're healthy for 60 games, can they play around 500 in the other games? I don't love their interior. I don't love their interior defense. I still don't have a great feel for that rotation. The league's getting bigger. I think they're going to struggle against teams, potentially, who are really good on the interior. That gets me back to, like, the Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers have a potential lineup. I like that McGee, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, you know, other big perimeter player thing they have going on. Mm -hmm. Because those guys move, they rebound. They're lob threats. They block shots. That's just a pain to play with if you're really small. Mm-hmm. I still think point of attack defense is going to be rough for them, though. Possibly. And, 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 you know, not knowing who that fifth guy is. I mean, the center is, you know, uh, Dwight look, looked healthy. Um, JaVale is JaVale, right? Uh, but, you know, Danny Green can't, can't guard Steph Curry anymore. Like, he can't, he can't be the guy out there guarding point guards. He's not that guy anymore. And I'm... I mean, Danny Green's probably my favorite player in the league, which I know is weird, but um, he just isn't that guy. I think he's going to shoot 50% from three, but I don't think he can be like, you know, your best 50% on ball defender. He's going to be so wow. wide open, man. He is going to have, I mean, he is going to have minutes to shoot. Yeah. It's going to be 50% is, is, oh, I know. He's crazy. Know. Yeah, but what was he forty six last year? I mean, yeah, um, but yeah, he's like he's not in the he's not in the superhuman. Like, if you leave him wide open, there's probably only three or four people on Earth. I shouldn't say that because there are guys there are guys right. not athletic enough to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the old um, what is oh man, I'm blanking. Steve Novak. It's the, yeah, it's the Steve Novak rule. Yeah. Like there are players that are that skilled, but in terms of guys who are actually rotation level athletes in the NBA, it's really like Curry. Buddy Heald. Kyle Corver. Probably Kyle Corver, yep. Um, there just aren't that many who he's are going to hit. He's not going to have to shoot off the dribble, ever. Sure. But I, and, I, and he's just so good as a catch-and-shoot guy. I, I can see 45. 50 is... He was 45 and a half last year. He's yeah, got it's better streaky. looks. It's streaky. He is, now, he is a streaky shooter, right? So I, uh, you know, for sure uh, will just say, oh, you know, ah. You know, he's streaky. Of course, I, I, I knew this was going to happen um, when he's shooting like 36% in January. You know, I will totally backtrack on all of this. Man, these guys play tonight. This is exciting. Isn't that weird? It's pretty weird. <laughs> hey, Kawhi. Oh, hey, Arnold. Welcome to LA. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Plus, it's good to see another Terminator. I don't know why they call me that. 
because you have zero emotions. You feel no pain, you have no mercy. Trust me, it's a compliment, okay? Whoa! <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. What it do, baby? <laughs> what do you think of the, uh, the Terminator, the Terminator, Kawhi, Arnold? Oh, Isn't that amazing? Listen, LeBron should scrap all of his scenes that he's already shot for Space Jam, and he should just make Kawhi Leonard the star of that movie, and then sit home and collect the profits. Let's um, <laughs> let's talk about Golden State. Okay. I do not think people are prepared for how bad the rest of the roster is. Yeah. It 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 is there's a big drop off after D'Angelo Russell. It I mean is I think there's horrifying. a big drop off after Draymond Green to G- D'Angelo sure, Russell. Sure, sure, sure. I think the drop off yeah. for me the drop off is probably after Willie Cauley Stein because you run out of like mm-hmm. legitimate NBA rotation players. Are you telling me you don't believe in the Marquise Chris figured it out line? No. I wait I, until he's fully integrated into that offense though. I can buy that Marquise Chris can give them some good minutes. Yeah. They need they they need better than that and they need more of those. That's the that's the issue. It's like years and years of blanking on picks and then gutting their roster. So they have three guys back from their playoff rotation. Right. And and it's not like they made a bunch of trades or at, like they just have three guys back from their playoff rotation and D'Angelo Russell. That's the basketball team. Yeah. And even at full health. So I had the Warriors at like 42, 43 wins. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a lot. That's what's crazy. All right. So all summer I was saying, all right, I think the Warriors are going to be slept on. I think they're going to go in as a seven or eighth seed. And then Clay comes back, and then all of a sudden they're gonna, you know, they're gonna make a finals run. Uh, and then they just didn't like make they they didn't make the move with D'Angelo that I thought might happen. They didn't um, they didn't really pick up any any really interesting guys that were like undrafted free agents. By interesting, you mean like a top three hundred NBA player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know you watch these guys play. And when Steph Curry is not on the court, it looks like a G League team. It, 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 I think it is a G League team. Yeah. And, you know, the, the question becomes, okay, if, if we're assuming Clay is out all year, that's what they said. Okay. And this likely. team is going to He's gonna likely struggle. out all year. Right. They're going to struggle. Kevon Looney's not going to be ready to start the season. Uh, I don't think Willie Cauley-Stein is ready to start the season. Uh, they're going to... They're going to stumble coming out of the gate. Now their their schedule is a little soft to start, which you know works to their advantage. Um, is Smilajic ready to to step in and, and play a big role? I mean, he's he's a really good defender. Maybe he should be the starter at center. I don't know. Um, but are they going to throw him out there and see? Or are they going to roll out Chris as the center? Do you have a Smilajic tattoo yet? Not yet. Not yet. Are you going to get coming. one? I dude, he's good. He was solid. He was solid in summer league. I love the story that they told him to pretend like he didn't speak English, by the way. I don't know that story. What, what's yeah. the... So I heard this story at Summer League that they told him not to pretend like he didn't speak English so that he wouldn't get drafted by another team. That's next level. That's, that's silicone. That's light years. That's, that's silicone. Yeah, that's light years. That's light years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they just don't really have... I mean, they don't have any players. They have some guys that I think are interesting. Like, uh, uh, is it pa- Pascal? Pascal? Eric Eric Pascal. I right. think it's Pascal. 
I don't know if it's that or not, but he's interesting to me. Uh, he's going to play a lot. Um, Jordan Poole, I think, is going to be one of these guys that's like a fringe rookie of the year candidate because he's going to shoot a lot. You mean Jordan Nick Young Poole? Yeah. He took 39 threes in the preseason. They need him. They ha- he's going to have to play. To be that guy. Yeah. Right? Like, he doesn't actually have to be a really good NBA player. Yeah. He needs to be an NBA player who shoots and scores with volume and yeah. when he's open, takes the three and hits it at, you know, I don't know, he's a decent shooter, so 36, yeah. 37%. He needs to be fake Clay Thompson, like the guy that shows up dressed like Clay Thompson to the Warriors games. That's what they need Jordan Poole to do. Just get out there. I mean, he's not going to be as good, obviously, but just shoot it every time you're open. What's a realistic ceiling for their defense? That's a question of mine that I – this is this is why I go back to, like, 43 wins still feels like one of these great Herculean carry jobs where yeah. they just don't have players and firepower beyond right. Steph Curry. And Draymond Green is great, but he's in a situation where, you know, you can't really, quote-unquote, carry a defense per se. That's not necessarily his role. It's, right. He's not, he's not Rudy Gobert. While he's an amazing, like I think Draymond Green, there's a there's a case to be made. He's the best defender in NBA history, um, as far as like individual defender. What he does as a helper and all this stuff, but it's not like a Rudy Gobert style of guy where his job is to kind of hang back and erase mistakes. You know, Draymond Green is at his best when he's out there disrupting everything. And with the lack of perimeter defense that they've got, he's not going to be able to do the stuff that he's best at. He has, and it's also going to be hard for him to prop up the defense when he's arrested for murdering one of these young guys <laughs> when they're you know constantly blowing you know assignments and switches and stuff. So I mean, I, I think that I don't know, man. Can they be a top twenty defense? Ugh, I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. That's that's the challenge. If you start to give away a point, two points, three points, mm-hmm. like like let's say you're three points worse. Then league average on defense probably yeah. probably ranks you around twenties, like low twenties in the mm-hmm. league or something like that. You got to be like a top three or four offense in the NBA just to get in the low forties. It's gonna be hard to do when Steph Curry's looking at box and ones. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. I don't know how many box and ones he's gonna see per se because the the next video I've been working on for Thinking Basketball YouTube is D'Angelo Russell and how he fits and. I mean, it's it's obvious to say he's not a classic great fit. But the question to me is how much of the offense is going to change? There's yeah. a lot of stuff that they started to run in the last couple of years around the fact that Kevin Durant is a pinch post isolation player. Yep. Yep. So so when you think about the classic Golden State Warrior you know, cuts, their elbow offense and the split cuts and things like that. One of the things baked into the offense in the last few years was if you have Durant at the point of attack, if he doesn't pass out or nothing materializes, you can get him in isolation or he can uh, turn and drive or pull up. Uh, That's not how D'Angelo Russell plays basketball I do think he can operate in the pinch post, though. Okay, tell me more, because he hasn't done this. It's not how he plays. No, but he was... was interesting to me like I love big guards that actually have a little bit of skill like um like with with their post-up game and I thought his back to the basket game was something that didn't get explored enough the last couple seasons for him and we might see that where he can operate like Draymond in that 
in that split cut, but then you've got a guy who can actually shoot. So like if, if nothing's there on the cut, he may be able to step back and he's not good in isolation because he's just not quick enough. Can't get to the hoop. And I don't trust that floater. You know, that I don't think he's going to shoot whatever he shot. What was it like? 54, something 40, high forties or something, whatever. Yeah. It was like close to 50%, right? Unsustainable on that floater. Um, but I do think with his vision, like he's a really good passer. He's got great feel. Great passer. And, and you know, uh, Glenn Robinson's a good cutter. Draymond is obviously a good cutter. Steph Curry's a good cutter. Like, uh, you know, Burks, when he comes back, let's see if he's going to, you know, be, be helpful at all. I do think there is some interesting things they can do without completely reworking the offense. But if Steve Kerr is going to be honest with himself and with his team, he's going to just give these guys lots of high pick and roll opportunities try to get going downhill and then you know maybe they're shooting a lot off the dribble maybe they're just you know drawing the defense over and getting open looks but you can't use him exactly like Kevin Durant but I think you can use him a little bit like Draymond Green I think I mean that's that's an interesting way to phrase it I think that Brooklyn you know some of this will be in the video Br- Brooklyn had a decent amount of movement in mm-hmm. their offense mm-hmm. but it it was different enough, even though even though you might look at some of that and say like, okay, both teams are running like something that's similar to motion or motion strong or something like that. It's still Russell point of attack. Ninety percent of what he does is high pick and roll, wing pick and roll. That 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 is just not the foundation of the Golden State offense or spread pick and roll, where you have guys yeah. standing in place versus the Warriors traditionally having motion. So it's it's not to say oh, this isn't going to work at all. It's more to say you can't necessarily plug D'Angelo's skills in and get great additive return, and that's such a big issue because they don't have many other players. So how much are you willing to lean the offense? Like when Steph Curry is off the court, is it still going to look like the Golden State offense we've seen for the last five years? no way. Because the thing is that Steph Curry can play in whatever offense you want. Steph Curry can be... You know, he can run the high pick and roll. He can be a triangle player. He can do whatever you want. When you're, you know, when you're that kind of shooter, uh, when you're that kind of, I mean, he's a great screener. Let's not forget. You can just do whatever you want with Steph Curry. Uh, I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to be a good triangle player. So I think that for the most part, when he's out there and it's just his offense, you're going to see just, you know, him and Willie Cauley-Stein or Marquise Chris or. How do you, how do you think Russell moves without the ball I mean how would you describe I'm not even looking for a you know hey he's this kind of off-ball player yeah. I mean his cuts his he's he is not driven by fast twitch athleticism no well I mean sort of like him trying to take people off the dribble there's just not much to his game there right like his uh he's like he's a little bit of a throwback uh in a sense where um Everything is a little bit slower, like a beat slower, and uh, not really looking to punish the defense when they fall asleep and, and get those backdoor cuts. Okay, here's how I describe it. I I think one of the great – I can't wait to do a, a full piece on this at some point in the future. One of the great advantages of players who move without the ball is they're able to cut and move in ways that they can't when they possess the ball. They would get stripped, or it's too hard, or it's a travel, or whatever. And this is an advantage. Curry, Clay Thompson, all these guys of the world take advantage of that. With Russell, it's almost the opposite to me. He he, when he has the ball, he uses it as a trick. He's so skilled, yes, dribbling that he uses it to make up for the fact that his body isn't going to outcut you when he doesn't have the ball. And therefore, when he's off the ball, he's not atrocious. 
but he he's not shaking you, cutting, back cutting, moving. As you said, he's not reading the game entirely without the ball. And I'm just I'm just fascinated to see he, how this shakes out. He doesn't completely go to sleep. Like he's not no, one of he's, those. He's guys, not going yeah. to sleep. Yeah, he, that's the thing. It's so interesting. He just doesn't have anything that's going to you know shake you. Right. Yeah. He. I mean, he's just not. He's not like an incredible athlete by any by any stretch. Especially, I mean, in the NBA, right? Um, All right. Yeah. The, the, I don't know. I think he needs to shoot. I mean, if he can replace some of these long twos with threes, I think that there won't be a massive drop off from last season, like performance wise. Um, but he's not. Like anybody expecting him to come in and be like Clay Thompson running off screens, you know, when Steph Curry's got the ball in his hands, just go ahead and get that out of your brain right now. So I think if there's a candidate for me to bump the Warriors out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. I think the, pro- the the top candidate for me is probably Dallas. What do you think of that? You buy that? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> okay, tell me more because I, I because don't there's trust. A- I don't trust seven footers coming off of ACL tears. Definitely not in season one. And in order for them to to get to that point, they're going to need uh, Porzingis to be like you know approaching All Star level play. I think. Interesting. Okay, I don't know. The thing I think I buy more about Dallas is the bench and Rick Carlisle and the other pieces and sort of it's almost the opposite of Golden State. Like instead of saying it's going to be Luca and Porzingis carrying them, it's more like this is a very flawed team to me. Mm-hmm. that is going to grow and get better in the future. But right now, I think all the other pieces and the bench units and stuff will be strong enough. Like, I'm not super high on Dallas, but I definitely think they're going to be around 500 as a team. So I I, th- I think I have them at like 38 wins or somewhere around there. But is it a, um, is it like a garbage cheap 38 wins, or do you, you don't think there's – uh, you're not feeling comfortable that they could finish. Four. I think I had them at like 42 or 41 or something. So like you that. think they can they can add nine wins from last season? I based tend, on I, Porzingis. No, no, no. I think it's yeah. the I think it's um, the whole thing. I think Luca's going to be better. I think the other pieces. I like some of the other pieces, but I tend not to anchor too much to the last season. I think that's a bit of a fallacy. I, I just look at the roster and how they performed for Carlisle last year. Right. So like it's more about the coach. Than, than the team itself, and can he can he wring nine or ten more wins out of this out of this team? I don't know. I mean, Seth Curry, that's a you know that's a big ad for them. But you know, Delon Wright, I, I like Delon Wright with them. Um, I just, I mean, I really just don't trust Porzingis, and so much of it's about Porzingis. Interesting. I think he definitely has to clean up his shot selection for sure. But also, I mean, again, it's it, you know we've we've seen guys come back from ACL tears, and and usually that first year is not amazing so your your team that could potentially bump them out is that sacramento is it minnesota is it new orleans ah okay tell i'm i'm lower than everyone on new orleans sell me so i i think their defense is going to be legit drew holiday uh lonzo ball zion when he comes back i mean brandon ingram is a pretty good defender um Derek favors i think is underrated as a five i mean you know he played out of position quite a bit next to gobert in, in utah um, they've got a lot of versatility defensively. And then J.J. Redick is still pretty good at what he does, and um, I think that's going to be big for this team. And the biggest the biggest thing is going to be Zion. The, the fact that they could have a guy who's going to score 20 points a game all off of, uh, you know, things that are not designed for him, that's huge. And then, you know, Alvin Gentry is one of the most creative coaches in the league. So when I get to see 
you know, a guy like Zion, that's this incredible tool being used by a, a really creative coach like Alvin Gentry. I, you know, I get a little, maybe I get a little too excited, but I think that they could, could potentially do it. But Drew Holiday, man, he's really good and, and completely underrated because he's been living in Anthony Davis's shadow. How many games do you think Zion will play? Well, now this is the question, right? This torn meniscus has kind of thrown a little bit of a wrench in anything, in everything. Um, I think my assumption is he's going to be out till Christmas. Actually, the angle I was taking uh, on my show earlier was the league should reach out to the Pelicans and say, please hold him out until Christmas Day. And, I mean, imagine the ratings, right? He can't be there for opening night, but the, the next best thing would be Christmas Day. That's when all the nationals, uh, you know, like the ABC games and stuff start right after that. Um, so, so Christmas Day, yeah, just so just so people have perspective, because I think that's totally reasonable. And assuming he were to play every game the rest of the season, which I think is unreasonable. Nope. Okay, Christmas. They're going to bring him back slow. If he came back on Christmas Day, he would play fifty games this year. Yeah, and I think that's enough to win Rookie of the Year. It may be. I, I'm just. I was concerned about Zion's health before preseason and so this to me is still in line with just okay maybe the number keeps getting lower maybe it's not 65 games but at a certain point you know if you play 40 games in your rookie year and they're chopped up because you have another injury or something it's not that he's going to be you know low impact or something but it's not the same for the continuity of the team and the roster I'm with you on favors defensively by Mm -hmm. the way I am not sold yet I just did a video on him this summer, I'm not sold on Brandon Ingram playing the four defensively. One of those paint, big, kind of lane rotation. He's been playing as a guard defensively, and I, I, I understand. After, like, pouring over his film, I understand that placement. I'm not sold that he can be... I like him defensively. Yeah. I just don't know. I mean... Well, he's kind of like Kuzma in, in that where you, you would think except, he should except be able- Kuzma's terrible. Right. Well, well, Kuzma, though, is better as an on-ball wing defender than he is, you know, as a four or, you know, whatever. Yeah, he, he just does yeah. not understand. But he's just not good. He's not good, but I'm just saying he's better. Yes, I think that was a weird thing last year for the Lakers. You're almost better having Kuzma be a mediocre wing defender than trying to play him in one of the like they had him at center to start the he's season. An awful, he's he an just awful has, help defender. Yeah, he has man. no like, idea just can't, awareness can't on those rotations. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that's that doesn't like and then you go back to Drew Holiday, who is a guy I love and has been underrated. I almost feel like he's getting overrated though in his role here. His his he's not the kind of player who's just going to blitz you to forty wins if you give him decent help. I don't think that's his skill set. No, but I think he can anchor you know, a top 10 defense, like at, at the point of attack, I think he can be that good defensively. And then offensively, it's going to be a lot of by committee offense. The The offense is way more of a concern for me than the defense for that team. Yeah, I can see that. You don't have a classic guy who's just going to, you know, break down the defense on right. the dribble if you need it. You know, uh, Drew is okay, isolation, but he's not, you know, Jimmy Butler. I, I agree with you. I think that's yeah. the bigger concern for me. Drew is a good passer. Mm-hmm. But, good. but in a weird way, he's more of a passer than a shot creator. He's 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 less mm-hmm. of an engine, right? He's less well, of a focal point consistently every possession. Kind of like for Lonzo, the guys. kind of like Lonzo, and kind of like Zion. Like Zion is actually a really really good facilitator, but he's off the dribble. It's not there yet. 
What do you did you see Zion's defense at all in the preseason? Were you able to catch any of that? No. It w- it was it was not pretty. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think it's going along. Was he long. getting lost off the ball or Yeah, he was just exactly. Off yeah, his, NBA just, defense takes a minute, you know. Yeah. His I'm never were worried just, about it. I expect all rookies to be bad at defense anyway. Well, unless they're Jaron Jackson. Okay, yes. But Jaron Jackson, you know what? I, I actually even, had this even conversation. That. Yeah, go ahead. I had this yeah. conversation with people from Memphis and, you know, uh, I actually asked their coach, Taylor Jenkins, um, you know, are you guys going to let him play through the foul trouble? And that's their plan is to let him play through the foul trouble. Uh, I don't care how good you are on defense. If you're unavailable to play it, you're not good. Yeah. And I, and I you know, I'm very high on Jaron Jackson, but he has got to figure out the fouling thing. He's giving up points and also taking himself off the court, which hurts him on the offensive end. I'd almost rather he just be less aggressive on defense to keep himself in the game for the offensive end than do what he does now, which is probably try a little bit too hard. I think he's, I think he just got to learn it. I think he's got to learn. Not for sure. He's got to learn his his body. His body's still growing. He's got to get body control that that sort of synergizes with his base strength. Yeah, uh, he's still got a really high center of gravity. Or they should hire Kevin Garnett to come in and scream at him every time he commits a foul. I think that's a thing. I think that's yeah. that's a actually, thing. I mean, I was calling him Tim Duncan, but I think he's actually Kevin Garnett. He's more like perhaps. Yeah, because he's got a little bit of that off the dribble. God, man, I'm so pumped for basketball. I know this is this is uh, so, a number of hours before I'm, actual so, basketball so excited. Yeah. will be on television. Like it will actually count. It will go in the record book. Yeah. You might be able to watch it on NBA League Pass. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, <laughs> NBA, not tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> NBA, NBA League Pass um, is ridiculous. <laughs> like, they don't have half the preseason games. I, I just can't well, even wrap my head them, around it. Some of them weren't even televised anywhere. Oh, no. There were games on NBA TV that yeah, yeah. the next day I went, to, I went to do a little film session on, and you get the old, this game doesn't exist. Oh, man. Um. <laughs> who do you who do you think is the the team with the widest range of outcomes in the West? Then we'll go to the East. I mean, I I, I I don't know. That's an interesting question because so much of it is predicated on health and assuming and assuming load reason, management. Yeah, right? assuming reasonable health and sort of like uh, I guess for lack of a better word, intelligent guesses yeah. at load. You know, some guys yeah. are going to be load managed. Yeah, I, I'll you know I'll I'll go back to San Antonio and I'll I'll lean on San Antonio there because I think they could miss the playoffs like there's definitely a path for that but I do think they could be like the four seed or something like that. Um, I love it if I everything it. goes well with them and that's not just because I'm in San Antonio and I have to see the it is PR people. You're San Antonio's favorite son. <laughs> I am San Antonio's. Favorite what is son. this thing on the internet that All you right. get? <laughs> We have to talk about this. People on the internet oh my God, think man. Dave is like From died, San died in the cloths, like black and white it's San Antonio. You have fiesta I, socks. Yeah, only because, and by the way, I would totally love some fiesta socks. So oh, can Stance we get those? Hey, if Stance is listening, make some fiesta socks. I will wear them with my Jordans to the games. On Twitter, uh, uh, please respond when I tweet out this podcast. If you can get some of those <laughs> yeah. fiesta socks, I want yeah. some. Uh, but so I've lived here like, I don't know, 16 months or something, but I, I have it in my, in my bio that I'm in San Antonio. Right. Um, and, and just people make these assumptions when I say something about, I don't know, the Rockets or the Suns or the Lakers has been the 
probably the the one that happens the most often. Um, yeah, man, I'm not I'm not a fan of anybody. I mean, yes, the the 2014 Spurs is my favorite basketball team of all time. Good choice. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing basketball team. Uh, it's that it's that team. It's the 2016 Warriors uh, and the 96 Bulls. You know, like those are my three favorite teams. Those are fantastic choices. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? I just got giddy. Yeah. Two of them, you know, had the greatest seasons uh, of all time. And one of them was just the most beautiful basketball that's ever been played. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Am, am I, you know, do I love Manu Ginobili? Yes. Do I love Boris Diaw? Yes. Do, do I think Tim Duncan is a top seven player of all time? Yes. Uh, all of these things, right? But I am not from San Antonio. So the joke is that every time that happens, I come up with more and more ridiculous scenarios for how dyed-in-the-wool, born-and-bred San Antonio I am. And, and one of them that I always mention is that I was actually born in the Alamo. I don't know if you guys knew that. There's a basement, and I was born in the basement. Is there more to that story? No. That's, I, really I just go ridiculous. Like, I was baptized in the, uh, you know, at the Riverwalk. Well, you are an NBA Twitter Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> so, the backstory on that thing is... Uh, we, may, a, we may need to put ridiculous. that on out there so other people can see it if they haven't seen it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, so, uh, it's a bunch of kids that did SBC. Sports business. Ah, uh, uh, okay. That I, that I do with Larry Cohen. Okay. And, Great uh, event. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I, I believe that's how I got included in that group of people. Um, you know. the, the, the first ever thinking basketball video coordinator, Mike, is a graduate yeah. of SBC. That's it. Yeah. Uh, where were, we got to get back on track. Where <laughs> yeah, were we? we got to talk basketball. We're talking about basketball. All your people already hate me. So they, No, it's a, <laughs> it's a house divided. Some... Which, you know, listen, if you, you're out there listening. Do you think there is anyone hate listening? That's what I'm always. No, I don't think so. I hope not. I'm always um, fascinated, like when I put out a video, if who's hate watching it, they're like, I don't like this guy. I got to keep watching. I don't have the energy for that. A lot of people do. Yeah. When I'm on YouTube. I mean, have you been on the Internet? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> when I'm on YouTube, uh, my recommendations are like usually like food uh, and in particular lately, a lot of food with sardines because um, I love sardines. Do you watch? Uh, uh, and then uh, there's a guy called he has a channel called My Self-Reliance where he basically built his own log cabin out in the Canadian yeah. wilderness. Yeah. And it's it's almost like is it ASMR? Yeah, ASMR. Yeah. And it's just him like you just put that on and his dog. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Do you watch uh what is the Worth It? You ever watch that show? Nope. Yeah. Never heard of it. It's a food. It's one of these food. It's a big food show. Worth It. Yeah. Okay. It's two guys they go around to restaurants, they try three different foods at Three drastically different price points. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get that recommended a lot. Um, anyway, now let's get back on track. This always happens when you come on the show. Yeah, we just I, it's start. What I do. We, we use, it's what you do. You talk about non basketball stuff. Yeah, I think Portland's the widest widest range of outcomes for me in the regular yeah, I can season. See that too. I can see that because I, like, I've seen a lot of people thinking that they could be the eighth seed. And I, I just, man, I believe in Dame too much. Yes, I have, I have been fooled by them one too many times. Dude, me too. And this is where I am on San Antonio. The, the, these two teams where I'm just like, there's no way, there's no way. And then it's just, okay, well, Portland's a three seed again. What? Right, right. And now I just cannot go against them. It's, it, there's a corporate knowledge for Portland and San Antonio where they, no matter what, they are going to do Whatever it takes, get even if it's just the bare amount to get in, they are going to make the playoffs, and that is just going to happen. 
The throwback uniforms add at least three wins for me. For Portland. I, oh, my God. If you've seen those. 50th the, anniversary. I mean, the Blazer Mania. It. Oh, they are killing it. Those are phenomenal. And we can't even, here in San Antonio, can't even get Nike to make Fiesta jerseys. This is, this is why people listen to this show. For the uniform breakdowns, let's go to the. It's gonna they, again, again. They're gonna be like, God, get this damn Dave guy on here again. First it was Game of Thrones. Now he's talking about jerseys. Oh, that's right, Game of Thrones. Um, let's go to the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference. Okay, tell me who you got in the top four in the East. You got Orlando in there, I think. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I've got Philadelphia. Got Milwaukee. I've got Toronto. You have Toronto. And- at, you have Toronto at three. Yeah. I have Toronto at three. There you go. See, listen. I, I think Milwaukee uh, takes the one seed. I think okay. Fi- I think Philly is more of a playoff beast. I think sometimes teams that have that defensive potential that we talked about, yeah. they, they, the offense is clunky and they iron stuff out and guys uh, miss See, games. I think their offense is going to be good enough for the regular season. And, and the thing I get worried about is in the playoffs, but I still think that they're just going to be too much of a beast. I think you just need a passable offense in the re- in the playoffs, which they'll yeah. have, and the defense. Ooh, very exciting. Um, their their best shot creator is Joel Embiid. That is a concern for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a concern. Um, I thought I thought long and hard about Toronto, even at the two. Yeah, I can see it. I I I can see. You talk about wide range of outcomes. I can see the Raptors, uh, kind of trading a big piece this season a, mm-hmm. you know totally different kind of trading year all of the pieces trading all of the pieces coming up with a trade for jamal murray and sending kyle lowry to denver just all Denver ki- feels like they could win a title yeah all kinds of weird <laughs> selling options yeah. going into the deadline but i also think that the 94 bulls are in play here big time a this is a really good team mm-hmm. like a really really good team siakam and Lowry are all-star level players. Marc Gasol was an all-star level player at the beginning of last season. Great defensive player. I, I like you know the other pieces that they have. OG and uh, even Norm Powell playing that healthy, role. Healthy OG. Yep. Um, Ibaka. Like they just have a lot of really good players. I love Nick Nurse as a coach. Mm-hmm. I think they have depth. I think they're a fantastic, like built to be a really good regular season team. And I think I had them at like fifty-one to get them in the three spot. Yeah, but I was like, this this team could win. Like they do, they've done this before. Yeah, they could win fifty-five games. They've done this before. Yep. Um, okay, so we're in agreement on that. Talk to me about Orlando. I have the Magic six, so I like them. But you love the Magic. Well, all right. I, I really do like the Magic. Um, I'm a huge believer in Steve Clifford, and I, I think he's you know incredibly he just gets forgotten about i don't even want to call him underrated he's just not mentioned right because he's he's in charlotte or now orlando and those are not necessarily flashy jobs and he's not like a flashy coach he's you know kind of understated by the way great interview if you can ever talk to him it will answer any question very eloquently and it's fantastic for you, for learning do you like him better on offense or defense uh, I like his defense, but his offense is uh, people don't pay attention to it. But like, if you look at what he did with Kemba Walker and what like look at what DJ Augustine did last season, yeah, I think he might be a point guard whisperer. Yeah, and uh, you know, but I do love his defense, and, and that defense down there has a chance to be really, really special. I, I think Jonathan Isaac is is poised to break out um, and and be you know in the conversation for best young player in the league. Um, I think he's going to make all defensive team. 
this year. Uh, I think he'll be the most improved. I actually think Pascal Siakam has a, a shot to really be the most improved. Um, but, but again, this yeah, year. they wouldn't give it to him again. So you uh, think he has another? You think Pascal has another leap in him? I think he's got another leap, but I also think he's going to have more opportunities. He's going to get a lot more touches this year. Well, so, some of that I think some of that's actually going to be harder if we circle it, back. It could be to yeah. Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he shoots the corner three well at this point. I would say. I don't know about above the break. If you're more of a focal point, it's harder to get open catch and shoot corner threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he so much of his style in terms of like slashing, finishing off of other opportunities that may be. I don't want to say diminished, but probably around the more, same. I think he has more off the dribble than we've seen. Okay. Just going by the off the dribble stuff that I've seen from him. I think that there are more dimensions to his off the dribble game, which you have to have, right, to be a primary option guy. If you want to be a primary option guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. I think Siakam today, right now, is already, with his defense, is already very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but but back to Orlando. So Isaac, I, yeah. I, yeah, I believe in John Isaac. Um, you know, I, I asked Steve Clifford, I was like, hey, are we going to see a, a fair amount of John Isaac at the five? Absolutely. Um, his defensive versatility is ridiculous. He guarded DeJounte Murray, who's one of the fastest players in the league, guarded DeJounte on the perimeter, and then in the next possession, guarded LaMarcus Aldridge on a post-up and, and did well against both, right? Like, I mean, poked the ball away from DeJounte. He's got such long arms. Um, but that team in general is, is really good. Um, uh, who was it? Ben Golliver said uh, Miami is Orlando with better marketing. But I think Orlando is just a better team. They've got better players. And so a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people have Miami in that four spot, uh, Indiana in that four spot. I just slid Orlando up into that four spot. I think the middle of the East is going to be really packed uh, between Orlando, Indy, uh, Miami, and uh, what was the other team that I'm thinking of? And Boston. Thank you. Oh, and Brooklyn. And Brooklyn. I think they're all going to be really bunched up. Okay. And so, but I, th- I just expect Orlando, you know, with their defense to kind of get the bump. The one thing I worry about with them is can DJ Augustine have two decent seasons in a row? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's not a young, he's not a young, uh, a spring chicken. That's no, what they I've say. got a hot take for you if you want one or a you, hot prediction. You have a, a hot, hot take? prediction. I'm not a hot take guy, man. No matter what people may have painted me as, um, educated take guy, just paint it like a hot take. But here's a hot All prediction. Right. Fire it away. Markel Fultz will be the starting point guard by the All-Star break. That is very hot. Now, is that injury-based, though? Is No. I, I think that I, I just think that what he can bring to this team from just a versatility standpoint, forget the shooting, okay? If he never shoots, he's so big and he's so active defensively, and, and, and then on, on the offensive end, he's actually kind of dangerous as a cutter. Um I think that he is just going to add a dimension to that team that they're going to want, and he's going to get more minutes. Uh, maybe he doesn't start. Maybe they keep starting Augustine because he's the you know the vet. But I do think he's going to be the more important point guard. Let's put it that way. I th- I already I just tempered my own hot prediction. Well, I th- I welcome. I almost wonder if Fournier is a better candidate to take that spot as the lead. Creator? Yes, yes. Interesting. Yeah, because you watched. Too much FIBA. I didn't watch too much FIBA. Uh, um, what's too much FIBA? You too, you watch too much. All right, I, FIBA Fournier. I 
I probably watch too much. You gotta FIBA. throw out those international games. It's not an international based take. It's that <laughs> it, it's a it's an NBA based take. FIBA Fournier. Everyone, Google FIBA Fournier. <laughs> it's look. It's an NBA based take. I I my question with the Magic is, do they have enough? Okay, here's why I think you could see that because Fournier has that sort of lead guard creation element pick and roll kind of thing in his game already and i think if this is going to work well for the magic i think aaron gordon has to have more of that as well oh yeah and and so he's got to he's got to take a jump right i I think he's going to be in that most improved player conversation he was in my uh breakout podcast with danny larue i did he and john isaac were in my likely candidates list man imagine if i'd listened to that imagine if you listened to any podcast (laughs) Oh, Dave! Who has time? Who has time? You on your walks, exercises? Your you don't your your yeah, strolls no. on the beat on the Alamo I like, when you go out like, on the Riverwalk. I like quiet. Quiet's nice. Yeah, yeah. When I walk with my dog, I like to talk. I talk to my dog. I like to pay attention to what I have going on. What do you guys talk about? No, nothing. I mean, I'm like training him <laughs> usually. Like it's like, hey, um, don't, don't pee on that. I like I like Aminu and Ross as little bench pieces. So do I. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They've got a good team. I mean, and, it's a and, good team. And Vooch is pretty good, man. Let's talk. Ba- a- and Bamba might be a player. Yeah. So, okay. There are two other teams here in the East that I think we disagree on a lot, so this should mm-hmm. be really interesting. I I went back to being higher on Boston. I think I have them fourth, and I can see them pushing 50 wins. I can see them having a, a classic, like, 2017 Brad Stevens season. Where Here's why. The defense looked like it was going to be a major concern for me. Yeah. And now it's clear what they're doing. They're just going to basically give, like, Tice is farther along in terms of actually being able Agreed. to. Like, Agreed. Yeah. Right? And Williams. Tice or, Tice or Poirier might might. And Poirier is another guy. Starter. Yeah. Right? And so with those three guys, and then what's happening is the wings, Jalen, Jason, specifically those two guys, there's enough length and sort of activity. They can rotate into the paint. I... I I'm just seeing enough where I think they're actually going to be decent defensively, like mm-hmm. like you know better than average, and then you're you know you're better than average on offense, and that gets you that gets you high forties, especially in the East. Especially in the East, exactly. So I went, I was very I concerned right behind Orlando. I think I think we're we're and how many close. how many wins do you have Orlando at? I have Orlando at forty nine. Okay, I think I have. Boston at 48. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think I had Boston at 48 or 49. By the way, someone listening to your podcast is going to be adding up all these wins and they're going to say, hang on. I've got it in the thinking in thinking basketball. If you are a Patreon subscriber inside our community discord, we've got the win totals contest. So this thing is confirmed to be balanced at 1230 for me. I came up with 1230 wins. Mine is balanced. I just don't have it in front of me. Like it's somewhere else. I, you know, I've got basketball reference up for this podcast and that's it. Um, Indiana. I'm low on. Yeah, me too. I have them, which is funny because now I'm doing this Indiana podcast and I'm, I've just been pouring water on any excitement. I have a missing the playoffs. I can see it. I said this in our little preview. Um, I'm not, first of all, I'm very low on Sabonis in general. And I'm not sold on Sabonis and Turner together. Um, I don't know how they replace what they get out of Oladipo. My assumption is when Oladipo comes back, it's not, you know, he's not going to be 
Victor Oladipo all-star. Right. I think the 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 challenge there, and you're pointing to it, is just where is this scoring? T.J. Warren is the only guy that's going to get buckets for them. And the, even that is, I mean, if if T.J. if T.J. Warren is the centerpiece of your offense, or even to be fair, right, like a T.J. Warren Sabonis combo is the centerpiece of your offense. That I'm not right. I'm not thinking that's a good offense. We've got to have this Sabonis conversation because so many smart people I know say things like this. What does Sabonis do well aside from moving the basketball? I, I will give you that he's good at like facilitating at the elbow, and he's not a bad screen setter. But those things, like Miles Turner, has got to be the rising tide for this team. Like Miles Turner's got to score eighteen to twenty points a game. He's got to rebound. You know, he's got to rebound well and and actually get second chance opportunities for them. But Sabonis, I just, I mean, he doesn't block shots. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't. Doesn't really score. I mean, he only plays with one hand. I still, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this Sabonis thing. Out. They, they probably okay. To answer the Sabonis question, he does face and drive well. He's got a spin move and he can get left. But that, by the way, it's going away because because teams know that they can drop back. Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting point. Right. So you're not worried about him taking a mid ranger. You're not definitely not worried about him shooting a three. Again, he shot 17 threes last year, um, and and. Yeah, he hit 50% of them, but he's just not shooting them. So you can drop back. It's similar to Ben Simmons, only he doesn't have the shake that Ben Simmons has. So you can actually just stick a big on him and you can drop back. My my thing with like a team like this is, and it highlights how you know limited our educated guesses can be and how ridiculous. Like I say, I have Indiana missing the playoffs. I have them with like the same record as the Bulls. So I mean, who you know. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, all right, yes, all right. Mm, the Bulls. We'll get there in a second. Yeah, but I think the 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 thing historically that I can add here is that it's it's a guy like you know I don't know Jeremy Lamb or somebody like that. It's a guy who's in a new situation mm-hmm. who fills like b- jumps forward in a way that no one is talking about. If you go back and you look at the not that not that they're very accurate on anything, but if you go back and look at the. Uh, uh, what did they, the executive polls that they take of the 30, yeah. 30 team executives at the beginning of the year? Like, you scour the names on the most improved player list, and they're just always missing the guys who take the big jumps. So, yeah. so we know that that's hard, and kind of sticking to your status quo is the thing that gets you too stuck. So, I think for teams like Indiana that actually do well and you know give Nate McMillan credit he's got a track record of doing well in these kinds of situations like if they have a 45 win season and it's not Oladipo it's usually someone random like that right yeah Goga Badatse but but who is stuck behind Sabonis and Turner I know so maybe some trades are coming you know well I actually think that they should have they should have kicked the tires like just take this year as your gap year right kick the tires on a guy like Malik Monk because I still think Malik Monk as a as a lead creator might be something offensively. Maybe he's Lou Williams, um, but still, like they could use a guy like that. Uh, I just think this could have been a good year for taking a few risks, and this is where the Sabonis contract is interesting because now it, it essentially limits your flexibility for this season. Indi- Indiana with Oladipo and Bogdanovich, not mm-hmm. a great offensive team, a very good grinding defensive team. Well, Thad Young too, right? Like they're going to Thad, Thad Young. That was the where as I was much going. As anybody, yeah. Thad Young leaving is really the reason to me. I just I'm not a believer anymore. You you might convince me to make some alterations in in the way I'm thinking because 
The Thad Young factor, I have factored it out of Indiana, but I did not factor it into Chicago. That's okay. So this is why now I got the Bulls. The adult in the room is so important. Yes. Thad Young is the adult in the room. He's the adult on the basketball. Well, they got Porter for a whole season as well. Yeah. I think those two guys is sort of like anchoring forces on both ends. They know how Sadoransky to play. Sadoransky is an upgrade. Sato, like I, I don't want to like some people are very very excited about the Bulls, and so I don't want to overstate it. I'm down on Lowry Markinen. That's my only issue. He's he has if you like if you're looking at him as the next big thing, I think you're down on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you look at him in the context of a better basketball team, which they'll have this year, uh, he's still like. A skilled offensive scorer shooter who has limitations taking, everywhere else. If he's else. taking minutes from from Wendell Carter Jr., you're doing it wrong. I where do you think? Like I had I had uh, Carter really high on my draft board last year. Yeah. Where do you think he is in his development right now? Are you feeling really good? Like that's the thing. I need I'm, to see him. So like I feel the same way about Jaron. You know, um, I did see Jaron live, but like I need to see like 15 games. To just see what it looks like, um, I you know I it's funny. I, this is not a very popular thing to do for for media in general, but especially for NBA media. Um, but like I pride myself on my willingness to say I don't know, and Wendell is one of the guys that I definitely don't know. Like I I have no idea, and I would say the same thing about Lowry. But I was lower on Lowry, you know, before he had the injury issues. Um, but with Wendell, for sure, I don't know. I need to see 15 games. I need to see how Boylan's going to use him. But, I, I mean, I was really high on him as a passer and as a defender. I thought he was going to be an excellent modern big. Agreed. But I I, I have question marks at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what you just said about I don't know. I think we should have an entire podcast about I don't knows. Dude, there's so much stuff I don't I – mean, think yeah. about it, man. There's 450 players in the league. There's 30 coaches. There's, you know, 30 GMs. There's – you know, there's the G League. There's all all kinds of stuff. These unknown factors. You know, can I tell you every single player on a two way contract right now? No, I can tell you some of them, but I, I can't tell you all of them. Some of these guys might get converted. And now all of a sudden you've got players. Um, this year I actually did not do a ton of draft work like I normally do, so I'm a little bit behind uh, from where I normally am this time of year on rookies. I'm actually kind of excited about it. Because instead of having my preconceived notion based on what I watched from these guys playing high school and college, I now can pull the Zach Lowe thing and just, okay, what are they as NBA players? Yeah. I think this might be the better way to do it as an NBA analyst instead of, okay, well, I watched this guy dominate at Utah State. It, <laughs> you it know, feels, like, I don't, so I used to watch college probably more than the NBA. It feels different now not watching college. Because exactly what you're speaking to, it feels yeah. fresh. Right. You don't have, like, when you watch a lot of college, you become intimately familiar with someone's role in their system, what they can mm-hmm. do, and you and you kind of never see them do anything outside of that. And the, uh, we'll plug uh, one of our friends over on uh, uh, another podcast, the Duncan and Hollinger podcast that just kicked off. I haven't listened to it. Okay. So, Sorry, Nate. So, uh, so John Hollinger made an interesting point, which was when he saw Nikhil Alexander Walker, who looks great, oh, by the way. I loved him at Hoop Summit a couple years ago. So when he saw, so he had followed, you know, he's a Virginia guy and he'd follow mm-hmm. him at Virginia Tech. And he said, when he went to Summer League this year, we were there, we were in the building mm-hmm. watching the game. And he pulled that step back, sidestep three 
out of his pocket. He said, whoa, where did that come from? I'd never seen that. And the number of times that that happened to me watching college where you think you have a guy's game pegged, because yeah. a lot of times you do, but you don't realize like they're playing in a very specific role and system sometimes. Kentucky guys are, are famous for this. Yep. Did, nobody knew Devin Booker could run a pick and roll. Carl Anthony Towns, did you know he could shoot threes? You know? Carl Anthony Towns is crazy skilled on offense. Right. But but if you just judged him by Kentucky and and some of the stuff he did in high school, right? Like the idea that the modern NBA is similar to college basketball or high school basketball or an AAU might be closer than than regular high school and college basketball to the NBA, by the way. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, just style of play, coaching styles. You're going to see more like talented guys are going to take the ball and they're going to do stuff with it. They're going to shoot three, you know, talented bigs that can shoot. They're going to shoot threes in AAU where they might go to Kentucky and it's like, hey, you're going to post up, you know, 20 times a game. So as usual, we've been uh, <laughs> sidetracked, but but this segues right back to the last right. guy on the Bulls for me, which is yeah. another question mark. I think Zach Levine, uh, if you, people haven't been paying attention, Zach Levine's first step and slashing ability, like he had a monster Incredible. scoring. Year. It, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, And so if he goes, I want to take a bunch of mid-range shots and I want to dominate the basketball, I think this could go south a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if he goes in the other direction, if Boylan and the adults in the room and the whole thing fits and now you... Because the thing I like about Levine's game is he needs less time than most players. Right. It's spectacular how well he... Go ahead. Yeah. His decision-making is just dog shit, though. That's the that's the thing that you got to like, learn. That's so like he has all of the physical gifts in the world, and he's actually a good shooter, and you know all this other stuff. It's just that his decision making is awful. So you know, I, I was gonna say maybe Thad Young can can say, hey, look, this is what Victor Oladipo did, and you you can kind of follow a similar path, and maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. See, it's to me, it's not just a guy like Thad explicitly saying that. Yeah. It's when you have better players around. You have Otto Porter Jr. Agreed. and you have Sam. Yeah. Those opportunities are there for everyone to reinforce from all of the coaches to the other players on the team because we're not just going to give you the ball and have you dilly-dally for that – that should be a legit like basketball I, term, dilly-dally. Dilly-dally? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so this is, you know, coaching, going back to coaching. Like I, I tell my players, like, you know, quick decision-making gets you playing time on both ends, right? So quick decision making. You catch and shoot, you catch and pass, you catch and go. Not catch, sit there, you know, pump fake, jab step. I mean, this is why Carmelo Anthony is not in the league. If Carmelo Anthony was able to just do those things, Carmelo Anthony would would probably, you know, have a five million dollar deal right now. And I, I think with Zach Levine, if he can do those, you know, especially playing with a guy like Sadoransky, I, I he could be really good. He could lead the NBA in scoring, especially on that team, because they could use it. And as it is, I still think he's probably going to score like 25 a game. Anyone else in the East you want to... Oh, I love that. Was, was I love that, that. Oh, okay, I was like, wait, wait, was that too hot? No, I love that. That was all fantastic. Right, right. Um, in the East, uh, I mean, Miami is interesting. Um, it's going to... like th- Their ceiling isn't about Jimmy Butler. It's about Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, yeah. I don't love that they're starting Myers Leonard. I think they should just play Bam at the, at the five. And as a matter of fact, maybe even play uh, Olenek there next to him, you know, with... with that as their uh, as their front court. I can see that as sort of They're like really good. I can see that as the lineup they end up on. 
Yeah, the, they're the, good together. The, the Bam, Olinick. So here it is again with two bigs mm-hmm. that have a versatility of skill between right. the two of them. Shooting, passing, moving. Uh, uh, Bam it, is a ball handler. Like um, He can get out in transition. Oh, my gosh, man. Like That guy is so... If all the pieces come together, by the end of... Bam could be the most improved. Justice Winslow with a full season as a point guard, which is what it looks like is going to happen, you know, might be in that in the running for most improved. Are they? Are like they? We know he's a shooter now. If things go well in Miami, and it look, are they going to start uh, Hero? I don't think they should. He had a. I mean, you you. I know you haven't been watching the preseason. But. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, it was hot. I, I saw. I saw. I, I watched actually. So because so many people kept bringing up Tyler Hero, uh, I watched every shot he took. From the preseason on Synergy. He hit a lot of really difficult shots. So the question I, is, does he have that? Does I don't it? think you can make a career. I don't think this guy can make a career on tough shots. Um, you know, it, as a rookie, I wouldn't bank on it. Now, he's got a little bit more off the dribble than I would have thought. Yes, me too. Um, which, you know, that's that's a positive. He's got some chutzpah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know how I feel about that. I, I think confidence is, you know, half the battle for making an NBA. Obviously, skill is important, but if you've got skill and no confidence, um, you know, I mean, then look at Markel Fultz the last couple of years. Ken, do you think Miami can win 50 games? Like, is so, that a reasonable I ceiling? I don't see it um, because of the, the variance there, right? Like, you need Justice Winslow to be really good. You need Bam Adebayo to be really, really good. Um, you know, can Jimmy Butler – is Jimmy Butler going to play – 36 minutes a night and play all 36 or is he going to play 36 minutes a night and only play the last five you know I think that kind of stuff matters um you know he doesn't have that cushion that he had in in Philly where he could coast and and really save himself um I don't know I don't know if they can win 50 do do you think they can win 50 it'd be hard maybe maybe if it all maybe if it all clicks maybe if everything would right so the likelihood of everything clicking to me, is pretty low. Is low. I agree. It's very low. I'm just there. I think where I'm going here is there's potentially enough with Winslow and a full season of point guard Winslow and him improving and uh, you know uh, Bam improving and I'm trying to think about their bench pieces. Oh, oh, uh, if Dragic, Dragic Dragic comes back, well, that was a tough one for me to get out. Yeah, nasal whoa. nasal Ben got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Goron. If Goran Dragic Goran. comes back, yes. <laughs> Dragic, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I think he I, he might be a piece they could move for something. I mean, he's an expiring. Okay, so they make a. You know, they're going right. to be in the trade market. Yeah, they always are. Um, they just don't have a ton of assets. Yeah, that's true. You know? Te- teams that are teams that are asset bare and swing big trades. In my experience, I feel like never actually have like huge regular season record boosts. Right. So. All right, anyone else in the East that you want to talk about, either a player, a team, a coach, before we get to some fun? I think the playoffs are a totally different beast. Um, I mean, I think Brooklyn, like, I, I do think Kyrie Irving has a chance to lead the league in scoring. I think he could be up around 30 a game. I guarantee he looked at all those high pick and rolls that D'Angelo Russell was getting last year when D'Angelo was, like, the only healthy guard they had and was probably salivating because um, he was only getting those – with three minutes left in the game in Boston. It's, oh man, it's interesting because I feel like, I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie might be the best bench player in the league. He's really good. And yet, and yet you paint his size too. I know, but you paint a, a picture here of kind of more of the same, which is that 
he's still going to be squeezed out of opportunities in his natural role. Well, this is why he's turning his contract into, you know, his own Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think he... I, Crypt, crypto Dinwiddie. I wish, you know... Crypto, is that a good name for him and a good nickname? Mm, he doesn't really he doesn't really play like a crypto. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, man, I would love to see, like, Spencer Dinwiddie go to, like, Milwaukee. Ooh, or, or oh Philadelphia, boy. right? Like, just somewhere where he could start. Oh, that would be so let awesome. Let him cook, you know? Yeah, God. Like, I feel like if that guy had, had not been hurt, we would be talking about him, you know, as like a top, maybe a top 10 point guard starting for, for a playoff team. But his career, you know, it took a different, that different path. And I think a lot of times you get, get kind of painted into this box. But I, I think he's clearly like a starting level guard. Yeah, he is to me. So, let's I mean, like, you telling me the Warriors wouldn't kill for Spencer Dinwiddie? Instead of D'Angelo Russell, Dave, the Warriors would kill for like Will, I mean Will instead, Barton right now. <laughs> but I mean, instead of D'Angelo Russell, right? Like, and and you know, I, I think they would. They, of course, would never admit it, but I think they would. Well, yes, but then the question is, are they going to be able to swing? You know, can oh, they, they dangle do. Russell as a better asset? See, I think yeah, because the age thing, the age thing, exactly. Um, the point per game thing still fools. Some general managers. Unfortunately, Minnesota got a new, good, smart general manager. So because oh, I want Covington. To... So do I. That's the that's Covington the lineup. Is the guy yeah. Covington is the piece that they need for next year. The Covington, the Covington, Clay, Draymond, uh, Steph, Steph, Center, Kevon Looney. Yeah, actually, it'll or you be could flex Smil- it. Smilajit. Actually, who it'll be. That's a top five defense in the NBA. Yes. There's your <laughs> might new de- be the greatest defense it's, of all time. It's your new death lineup. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my give me life lineup. All right, let's talk about the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing? We feeling good? We're like, oh we're, my god! Look man. at the time, is, man. We're on a roll. A, this is a fantastic show. I like. I think I told you. I know when I'm like when a podcast is that I'm on is good. Yeah. When I'm in the middle of it. This show might be the best basketball podcast put out this year. No. Are you being serious? I'm being serious. This I have show no clue. This so good. And, and by the way, people are going to, like, now people are going to hate me listening to your show. Well, they got to get deep in the show to get to this. Uh, oh, my God, man. This is such a good show. Let's talk about the playoffs. See, just if you didn't hear the first time Dave was here, he was begging me. He was, he was sending me IMs in the background saying, let's keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Let's, let's. It was like Kramer. Well, you, with were the... wor- you were worried about it being over an hour, and I said, "Listen, if it's good, you just gotta go." I Give was feedback on that. I like to warm. I like to. I had to start with shorter episodes and build it up. Yeah. And now, now I'm like Kramer. The the gas tank is pat. We're gonna go all the way past the E. Uh, you can barely talk. I can barely talk. That's when we call it a day. <laughs> I think we're we're getting close. But, <laughs> all right. I mean, I, it, it's good. This is this is fun, man. Like I. Again, I by the playoffs last year, I was so burned out. Yeah, this is you know. Let me. I'll get personal. This is what I do on my podcast. Okay, tell me about but it. But I was so burned out, and you and I were having conversations like we were texting. Oh, I was exhausted, and I was telling you, I was like, God, man, I just don't know. Yeah, don't you know were in. Keep doing it. Yeah, you were in a dark place. Yeah. Well, not. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. Like, dark for. Uh, I just don't know if I can talk about basketball for a living anymore. Yeah. That's what, I'm, summer, that's what I meant. What else is yeah. there? Yeah. Right. Like serious yeah, stuff? Yeah. yeah. Then this summer was like a nice little break. And I am so much more excited today about basketball and what I'm doing for a living 
than I have been the whole time I've been doing it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And so this podcast is just contributing to that. That's good because you have like 11 podcasts now. Yeah. So, I have like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I literally have like. And you cover a bunch of teams. 10 hours a week or something like that. Yeah. Let's talk about the playoffs, which I think if, if you're excited about the season tonight actually being real games and we only have to like part of me is like, oh, there's only two games tonight. Um, but but we do get to see some actual basketball. Yes. And I'm really excited about that. But but doing this exercise and like projecting these teams and taking a look at all these teams and all the different players I've looked at over the summer for uh, video projects and things like that. The playoffs to me are just going to be throwback. Like we haven't. There used to be playoffs in the '90s. Uh, there was a great run in the middle of the '90s and, and in the '70s as well, where like you could throw seeding out the window. And I very much think we're going to have that, especially in the West. So let's talk a little bit. What do you What do you think is going to shake down in the postseason? All right. So I I think that with this parity, we're going to go back to the place where the best player in the series should be. Like his team should be favored. Oh man, it's my least favorite thing. I know, but I think that that's where we're at. Yeah, because the teams are so close, that sort of difference making matters. This is why you know I think the Clippers and the Sixers are gonna gonna be in the finals. Um, I, I think Kawhi Leonard is is such a rising tide. You know, we saw this in the in the playoffs last year for Toronto. His ability to just get a bucket whenever is just so valuable. But then I think in that finals matchup that the Sixers just match up against the Clippers so well. So who's who's who do you have in the first round matchups in the West? Because I'm just looking at my, you know, quote unquote projections, these wild things that have come somewhere from my brain. Um, and they're just incredible. I have you I have Utah Golden State in the first round. Houston, San Antonio. Oh, I have that too. Houston, San Antonio, the Nuggets with home court over the Clippers. And the Lakers with home court over Portland. Yeah, I have. Um, I have. This is off the top of my head. Uh, I have Nuggets Spurs, so a rematch. I have Utah Golden State. I have Houston Portland, and I have LA LA. LA LA in the first round. Yeah, yeah. I almost which, had that. The four five. Yeah, which yeah. might be the NBA's nightmare. Yeah, the conspiracy theorists are going to come out. If that doesn't happen, of course, the conspiracy theorists will come out if that does happen. Yeah, that's another that's a totally separate podcast on conspiratorial thinking. Um, Okay, so like I think the fight, I think the style makes the fight in the West. Agreed. And I think I do think the best player is going to is going to be like the difference maker, which is why I kind of. okay. who do you think today can put out the best five man lineup? in a playoff series. Cause to me, I almost want to say it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers or it's the nuggets. Oh, the nuggets. Are you, I, I assumed grant is going to be involved based on what you said. I, man, I, that guy is so good. He's good. If, if, I mean, if he could play the three, he'd be perfect for them. Um, but they just have, they've got a lot of depth and it's high end depth. Um, so who plays I, I the three in that cons- lineup? Well, I think they have a consolidation trade to make. To be honest with you, mm. like, I think they're going to get a guy that can be the three, um, or it's going to be Michael Porter Jr., who is going to all season give them, you know, like eight points in twelve minutes. Is buckets, it's yeah. buckets, yeah, and that's something that they 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 could use. Boy, man, I know. I, I just the Nuggets are going to be so much fun. I know Jokic all, could be MVP. All these he, teams are going like, to be so much fun. Jokic might might go for eighteen. Uh, 
10 and 10. And he could be uh, on the one seed. He might be the MVP. I got LeBron leading the league in assists. I think it could be him and him or Jokic. I think that's a good one. Um, I, I think uh, I bet John ja Morant is in that conversation too. He's he's is he your rookie of the year or is Zion? Um, only because Zion's not going to be healthy. Um, I, I think I lean Ja. I, it's funny. I did this earlier today on Buds where I said, "Well, if Zion's healthy, it's Zion. But if it's not, it's Ja." But I could see a path for RJ Barrett. So basically, one of the three top picks. <laughs> You're going. These are hot takes that you only yeah. you provide. Oh man, so hot! Uh, I, I do think Jordan Poole is going to be in the conversation just because I think he's going to put up some points. That would make me feel better about Golden State actually reaching the playoffs. Yeah, like if he's at like 14 points a game, which would be high. Um, but they I just think he, he yeah might, get, might if, get some buzz if Clay doesn't come back and nothing really if they don't actually add anything to their depth. Yeah, I. I I think they're probably first round fodder. I, yeah, probably. I, I kind of. No. I'm at the point now, and like I hate tanking. I'm not in on tanking. I know it's the smart move. Like I understand that, even with the the lottery odds being a little more flat. Um, but I kind of wish that the Warriors could get the number one pick next year, um, just because like I'd like to see a, a good team who's been managed well rewarded a little bit for for that. Um, this is why I'm also, you know, if I was going to fix the draft lottery, I would do a lot of stuff and I'd put every team in or, or give the champs the number one pick. So you've got, uh, so you got the, the Clippers. So you like the Clippers in a matchup versus the Lakers. I'm, I cons- do. I'm concerned about the Clippers size right now. Um, it all depends on like Zubats, right? I also don't think they have the best player in that series. You think it's Anthony Davis? It's probably Anthony Davis. Hmm. I think we just have a fundamental disagreement here. A, I think a, it's Kawhi Leonard. A fundamental. A fundamental. A fundamental. Yeah. Fundamental. Fundamental disagreement. Yeah, we'll I, see. I think, I think Kawhi's better. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs here. <laughs> we are splitting right? hairs like, on I think those this guys. guy, who's definitely a top five player, is better than this, this guy, other guy definitely who's definitely a top, a top five, five player. player. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, but if that's your rubric, right, you're saying right. you're saying it's, it's so close, I want to use a rubric that's right more often than not. Right. defaulting to the best player in the series. Well, I guess the only thing I to be realistic, to be fair, I'm saying you can't really do that in that series. Right. <laughs> you probably can't. So. <laughs> but I think the Clippers are deeper. I think that the, the talent that they have that's not their top two is just higher end. Um, how do you like Houston's playoff matchups with some of these teams? I, well, so I have them with, against Portland. Um, I think they could win that series. But again, like Damian Lillard, man, like – it's just so hard to bet against him. You like you like Portland in a series with Houston. Yeah, maybe. This is so awesome. I know. I think I like, like Houston in that. I would take Houston in that series. I, I I need to see. So I need to see how things work out, right? Like I need to see what's Whiteside going to look like when he's healthy after this ankle thing. Um, is Nurkic? You know, they they think Nurkic when he comes back is going to be fine. Obviously I think his game is different than Paul George and you know all these guys that have had these lower leg injuries, but. They think he's going to be fine, and that's huge for them. That's too rosy for me on Nurkic. I agree. I, I agree. think he's. I'm an injury pessimist when it comes to how guys are going to look when they yeah. come back. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, man. I just I need to see. I need to see. Yeah, it's fair. But I will say the like the fastball changeup nature of Westbrook and Harden is going to be really hard for teams to deal with. But how long can Westbrook, you know? Pull it off. Well, I think some people... Is he going to shoot 11 threes again? Right, right, exactly. I think some people think he might torpedo it. <laughs> right. And I don't... 
I don't go that far. You don't? No, I don't. Okay. But I do think hard, just you're good with Harden. I, I'm Great. not I'm not sold on Westbrook adding much to that though. And so you get into a playoff series, does Westbrook like does he give you another dimension there? Is he super focused on defense? Like I, I'm just not I'm very sort of like middle I, I take like a middle ground approach with the whole thing. And therefore when you match up against both the LA teams, I, I like the LA teams better as of now. And I think if Houston not that I, I don't know how these matchups would take place, but you know, even Utah or Denver, especially if they didn't have home court, um, those could be toss up series as well. It's just some of those teams and some of those matchups in the West man are just gonna be flipping coins. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean it's <laughs> and again, you look at the East and Milwaukee or Philadelphia could have a fairly easy road on the aggregate. And I think that's going to be huge because they're going to, you know, they're going to get rest time. They're going to be finishing series in five or six games. And I think a lot of those series out in the West are going to go seven. Agreed. Dave, tell everybody where they can find your work this season, where they should follow you, all the, all the pluggy stuff. Uh, Everything is on the athletic. Actually, a lot of our podcasts are now, Available on iTunes, which I think is is massive. Great decision. Um, so the back-to-back podcast, the Daily Ding, uh, from the Rose Garden, the Portland Trailblazers podcast, the Fieldhouse Files, the Indiana Pacers podcast. And, uh, you know, my show is every Thursday, Nerder She Wrote, um, joined by, you know, a bunch of my favorite people in basketball, uh, Mo DeKeel, Seth Partnow, uh, Larry Kuhn is going to be a regular this season, uh, Coach Thorpe. He's going to be a regular. He's coming back uh, to, to do like once a month. Got to get Ben on there again because uh, the only time you were on was uh, the audio was not great. Oh, we had that was uh, in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah, right. we were we were in the the basement in uh, Thomas and Mack Center. And yeah. th- that was right after the Kawhi Leonard trade. Yep. It was the next day. Yep. And, and, um, and Dave pulls out this. Uh, what was that thing? Pulls mic? it out. Of, yeah, it's a mic, but it's it's not a typical. It's like a 360 directional. Oh, like yeah. A little it looks like a little hockey disc or something. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, a blue Yeti Nano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I like your a microphone, Ben. It was a microphone. Yeah, yeah. Pulled out this thing to record a podcast. Um, no, we're in this. But we're it did this. okay. I hope so. I don't we know. Just we needed a smaller room. I mean, that was our big thing. But it was a good show. It was me, you. Uh, Mo DeKeel and, and Sam Vecini. It, yeah. it was a smart group of people. It was quite a lineup. Yeah, um, smart group of people. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it was fun. Um, you know, I, 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 man, podcasting in person is so much better. But uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, and I'm always uh, bouncing around Twitter. I, I like to make myself uh, available because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think whether it's me, putting out podcasts, people listening to podcasts, whatever. We all love basketball, and uh, I try to keep the conversation going. You know, I do a weekly Q&A on The Athletic for this reason because, you know, I, I've kind of been known as a Q&A guy. I've done a lot of video Q&A, a lot of podcast Q&A, um, and we were looking for a way to incorporate that into what I'm doing at The Athletic. And so I do that every Monday, and people get to ask me questions, and, and oftentimes they're able to point me in a direction that I wasn't going which I love. It's like, you know, people, we all see things a little bit differently. And I love when someone can point out something that I didn't notice. Um, and again, I say, I don't know a lot. So, um, be ready for that. But yeah. So, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter or whatever, 
Or don't. It's fine. <laughs> thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, this is awesome. It was very fun. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we, 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 you know, this is a thing. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. We'll it's see what thing. the people say. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I can't wait for you to get so much hate mail. You got to share it with me this time. Though. I will. I'll link, I'll link you uh, to all of the hate mail. <laughs> if you want more of me and Dave chatting, we did this time record a post-show episode for Patreons. It's patreon.com slash thinking basketball if you want to sign up we've got there's still time if you're listening to this there might be enough time to get into the thinking basketball discord win total competition that's a fun thing we're doing at the community to start the season of course uh, if you head on over there you can check out all kinds of patreon only content articles you get sneak peeks at videos things like that but last time dave was on the podcast we did have some we talked about some post-show segment being released to patrons so wanted to do that now there's still a decent amount of content there that will be up a little bit later in the day for patreon subscribers dave and i continuing our chat we get off topic we we go beyond basketball in the post show um, but we talk about heights and player heights and things like that so if you're interested in that that is available to patreon subscribers huge thanks to them as always for making this show possible i hope i hope despite my subpar vocal quality uh, that this was enough to get you excited for the 2020 season, whether you're listening to this today before opening games or tomorrow, uh, which I guess will be today for you, which will be Wednesday. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. Enjoy the season. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, of course, I hope you're having a fantastic, fantastic day.